Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD and Cognitive Disengagement Syndrome. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So, Jan, please introduce our guest. Jeff, our guest today is Dr. Joseph Frederick. Dr. Frederick is a clinical psychologist in the Center for ADHD at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. He provides assessment and therapy to youth with ADHD and various emotional and behavioral concerns, as well as leading parent and adolescent groups focused on improving daily functioning in youth with ADHD. Recently, Dr. Frederick launched a clinical service providing comprehensive assessment and treatment to youth with Cognitive Disengagement Syndrome, or CDS, previously referred to as Sluggish Cognitive Tempo. This service is the first to provide specialized assessments, evaluation reports, and treatment options to children and adolescents with CDS. His research focuses on understanding how ADHD and CDS impact academics, sleep, peer relations, and symptoms of anxiety and depression. And Jeff, we're very happy to have Dr. Joseph Frederick as our guest today. Dr. Frederick, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeff. How's it going today? It's going great. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on to do this with us. Everybody, I did a show years ago with Dr. Russell Barkley on an con- emerging condition called sluggish cognitive tempo. And the idea here was started to notice that there was people diagnosed with ADHD that things just – ADHD didn't kind of explain stuff a little bit. And um, <clears throat> so we're on the show kind of talking about Dr. Barkley's research, and this is really an update of where things are. 
and have Dr. Frederick on, take where we were, and let's talk about what's been going on, what the current state of affairs is, so we can kind of educate people as to what's going on. So, Dr. Frederick, can you just go back a little bit, share with our viewers, like, the, the, the notion of how sluggish cognitive tempo came about, then the research, and then we'll talk about the name change, et cetera, and we'll just kind of go through the story and bring everybody up to speed. Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, discussing this. And there's, like you said, there's been a lot of, lot of updates, so I think this will be good to, to talk through. Um, you know, where the sluggish cognitive tempo first emerged was back in, I believe, the 1980s, when, when we think about the diagnosis of ADHD. At the time, uh, we would diagnose those with ADD with and without the hyperactivity. And we mm-hmm. found that there was a kind of a collection of symptoms that emerged in those without hyperactivity. And these are the, the daydreaming, the sluggishness, the slow behaviors. And at that time, it was called, the construct was termed the sluggish cognitive tempo. And since couple, several years after that, there was a number of studies that were really looking into this construct and trying to better understand, is this similar to the inattention? Is this different? and pretty consistently found that sluggish cognitive tempo was a meaningful construct that was not redundant with inattention. So the attention difficulties were related to one another, but they were not the same. Um, and some studies after that that really wanted to look at more specific measurements, so developing you know, rating scales from parents and teachers and self-report measures, found that, that it was different from inattention, and it was associated with um, really important outcomes, things like depression and anxiety, academic difficulties, and peer problems. Um, and so there was, you know, since that, that time, I think we've made a lot of advancements in, in really understanding that this is a meaningful construct. It's not the same as inattention, and it's important for, for better understanding individuals' daily life. And back years ago when I did this, it presents the symptoms of it are very similar mm-hmm. to ADD. Is that, am I, is that right? They're, they're, they're similar. They have some overlap, but there's also some, some differences. So kind of on and, the surface, if – oh, yeah, go yeah, on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. On the surface, they're, they're, they're somewhat similar. It's just when you dig in a little bit deeper, you can see different mm-hmm. nuances that where it starts to become distinct, right? It's, a, it's an excellent way of, of putting at it. So if we think about, you know, inattention, some of the difficulties with trouble with sustained attention or distractibility um, – organization problems, forgetfulness, kind of the executive functions. There's overlap with, with sluggish cognitive tempo, that individuals have problems with sustained attention. But the problems with the attention are quite different. And one way to think about it, it's somewhat overly simplistic, but one way we talk with other colleagues and families is individuals with sluggish cognitive tempo appear to be more internally distracted rather than, rather than externally. So what I mean uh-huh. by that is, individuals being really lost in their thoughts. So the, the excessive, the daydreaming, the mind wandering, kind of feeling mentally confused or having this experience of brain fog, where those symptoms, if you kind of really look into the weeds, those are somewhat different than inattention, which is marked by the external distractibility or the off-task behaviors. And then additionally, and so, kind of when we pick that apart a little bit more, that you know, individuals with, with what we used to call ADD and the inattention some of them might have some of the experiences of like the restlessness, the hyperactivity, even if it's kind of at a sub-threshold level. Individuals with SCT is kind of the opposite of hyperactivity. It's kind of more of this, this sluggishness, this slow-moving lethargy. So that behavior is also quite distinct from ADD. 
So my understanding, because if you if you didn't if you weren't schooled on this no difference and you didn't go a lot deeper, there were a lot of people that got diagnosed with ADHD inattentive that we believe mm-hmm. either either did not have it and had the sluggish cognitive which was the name then. We'll talk about that in a second. Or they had a combination of the two, which I understood is mm-hmm. that, that, that which makes it a little bit more complicated. So am I am I representing that correctly? Yeah, 100%. And I, I first want to say, I think it's really important for all the listeners, is that the sluggish cognitive tempo, and as we'll talk here in a little bit about the new term, the cognitive disengagement, is not an official diagnosis, which I think complicates things a lot, um, where, you know, we know ADHD, we officially, it's a, it's a diagnosis, we can diagnose this in the United States, outside of the United States. Right now, where we are, you cannot officially Diagnosed. So we like to think of this as more of a, a, a presentation or a construct where a number of individuals with ADD may also present with, with these behaviors of SCT. We know about a quarter to a half of individuals with the inattention also present with SCT. However, on the flip, you might have some individuals where on the surface, like you said, it might be diagnosed as ADD. It might take a while to get diagnosed, but really SCT better captures it. Um, so I think the diagnosis piece can be sometimes, I think that's where we are right now in the field. That is kind of complicating things, but we might see that change over the next several years. Well, school me, if necessary, but my sense is, is when you have anomalies that are not explained by something, that mm-hmm. you know, at first you, you kind of brush them off, but after, wait a second, you start to look at them, these are kind of significant, and you start to look into it, and you start to think that, hey, this might actually be a, a distinctly separate condition from ADHD. It takes research mm-hmm. and time in order for that confirmation to go. So by the time it makes it into the DSM, usually it's, it's been kind of known within the research community and other people at that point in time. Right. We're in that stage right now where we're doing the research to, to determine is this definitely a, a distinct disorder that needs its own diagnosis to commingle. So my sense is there's a lot of just looking at this and observing it to understand what it is before we make it official. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think we have a plethora of research right now to say that this is a, this is a unique condition. Uh, I mean, we, we've thrown so many, you know, in research, we can throw so many studies that we really tested. Is this the same of ADHD? Is this the same as depression? Is this just sleep problems or sleepiness? And pretty mm-hmm. consistently, as I said, the research shows that it overlaps with those conditions, but it's not the same. And so this is clearly a meaningful construct that we know impacts the day-to-day. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, there's additional uh, pieces in research, you know, in order to confirm a diagnosis. And I, I think mm-hmm. with sluggish cognitive tempo, the etiology is really largely unknown. So kind of understanding where does this arise from? We have some studies that yeah. it, it's kind of small to moderate heritability. It might be some prenatal risk factors, environmental stressors. But I think there's some pieces of the research where there's some gaps where we can't officially say that this is a disorder that we can put in the DSM, for example, mm-hmm. but it is clearly okay. an important construct and presentation. Yeah. And so we're going to go to break in a minute, but one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is if you've been diagnosed with ADHD and attentive and you're being told some things to do to help it, my understanding, Dr. Frederick, is if you have this condition and it's not ADHD, a lot of things that we would do for ADHD doesn't necessarily work for this condition. Is that accurate? 
I think that's, that's somewhat accurate. And I think right now that's really where we're trying to, to make some improvements here is our understanding of treatments, um, where our, our really our first starting point with families is given that there's only, you know, we don't have anything right now that's a treatment that's developed for this condition. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the studies have came from individuals with ADHD understanding our treatments like, you know, behavioral parent training, you know, giving effective commands, using visuals, homework supports, organization. Um, we have some, some studies that show that stimulant medication may not be as effective if you have a child that is elevated mm-hmm. in SCT, which I think is really, really important given how widespread those medications are. Yep. And so, yes, I think right now one of the challenges is if you're diagnosed with an attention, you know, combination of medication, environmental supports, and supports at school, we may miss some unique areas of yep. treatment that we can, we can talk about later as yep. well uh, that might help these individuals. So when we go to break, again, just one of the reasons, this is an update on the show because one of the things out there that gets really frustrated is when you're, when you're out there searching for information and things are not mm-hmm. necessarily working, sometimes you're not, you don't necessarily fall into the bucket. And after we did our last show, some people called me up because they were, wait a second, that really spoke to me. I was diagnosed with mm-hmm. ADHD. This isn't working. So the idea is to give you an outlet, a place to go to look and search for some of these things because if it actually emerges down the road that this is a condition, we're trying to get people that can identify with. And sometimes we have um, mm-hmm. physicians that are, just need to be educated. So that's why we're doing that. So let's go to break. Um, for our listeners, to learn more about Dr. Frederick, go to CincinnatiChildrens.org. Again, that's CincinnatiChildrens.org. I got that, that, that right, right, Dr. Frederick? That, yep, that's correct. Okay. And our secret word tonight is disengagement. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a conversation with Dr. Frederick um, on a potential new condition that we're trying to update people on so that they're aware of it and particularly educate some of the public where you, you've been diagnosed with ADHD and things just don't seem to be right. You, you feel like you're kind of an odd duck in that kind of pond. So um, I want to transition here a little bit. I've always been fascinated and frustrated with the labels that we give diagnosis. I know uh, ADHD years ago was minimal brain dysfunction, and it's become ADD, and, and it's not a term that I think a lot of people like. But as I've learned, it's, we really kind of can't change it because the word is used or the phrase is used in many accommodations and laws, and if we were to change the name, all those hard-fought accommodations and stuff, it would no longer be void. We'd have to fight all over it again. So it's a, it's a name that we're kind of stuck with right now for, the, for the, those good reasons, I might add, although it's, it's kind of frustrating. 
So I want to, th- this condition that we're talking about was originally kind of coming out as sluggish cognitive tempo, but it's been, since been changed. So Dr. Frederick, can you tell us the story of that and update us on where that is? Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is a really, really important conversation because like you said, you know, we think about the, the label of sluggish cognitive tempo. So when the researchers first discovered these unique symptoms, it was initially termed the sluggish cognitive given the symptoms of the daydreaming, the mental fogginess, getting lost in one's thoughts, kind of the sluggish, slowed behaviors. And I know Dr. Barkley has he was an advocate for changing this term years ago to the concentration deficit disorder. And once he, he put that proposal, it, it kind of lagged a little bit um, until Dr. Stephen Becker, he's really been kind of leading the charge on the research of sluggish cognitive tempo here at our Center for ADHD at Cincinnati Children's. He convened a, a group of about kind of researchers, clinicians, that were really dedicated to, to SCTs. So I, I, one of those was myself. Dr. Barkley was on this working group. And one of the goals was to, to change the term. And that was kind of twofold. The first was we heard from families that we worked with, we've heard from other colleagues and individuals, that the sluggish cognitive temp is somewhat of an offensive pejorative term and kind of implying that individuals had a lower intelligence or that they were lazy or unmotivated. Um, And then the second was that this implies that we truly know that there's a cognitive deficit, saying that there's a sluggish cognitive implies some deficit with cognition. And and really right now, it's been kind of mixed evidence on different cognitive areas in relation to to SCT. Um, So this was definitely an adventure, you know, when you have multiple individuals working together. um, Most of us were in agreement that it needed to be changed. And what we really wanted to focus on was a term that was not offensive, it was understandable, and it captured the true nature of of this construct. And we brainstormed a a number of different terms. I mean, we really kind of did a a session where we put all the terms down on paper, things like daydreamy, spacey, sluggish. You know, we we did kind of the pros and cons of each. And we landed on cognitive disengagement syndrome. And the reason that came about was, When you think about all the things we've talked about so far, Jeff, with kind of being lost in your thoughts, um, the mind wandering, the spaciness, the zoning Mm -hmm. out, kind of the slow behaviors, really captures this disengagement from the current environment where kind of this decoupling of attention, where you're kind of distracted internally from, you know, if you're at school and having to pay attention on homework or the teacher talking, but you're lost in your thoughts, you're disengaged cognitively. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we chose on that cognitive disengagement. The syndrome came out based on the conversations you and I just had where we can't consider this right now a disorder since it's not diagnosable. And the syndrome is to capture that, you know, hey, this is a collection of behaviors that are clearly important and it's, and we can identify it. Um, I will say, you know, we went back and forth on adding in more of that behavioral component. So Mm -hmm. the first way we we ended was cognitive disengagement hypoactivity syndrome, which I I felt like was a little bit of a mouthful, and we all kind of agreed that, you know, ADHD is a little jargony, and if we really, you know, we want this to be publicly kind of accepted, we want this to be widespread, we want to help families and, you know, individuals. So we removed the hypoactivity. We didn't want to confuse that with hyperactivity. Um, And so we landed on that, the CDS, um, at at this time. Okay. So we've got the the, the name. And Mm -hmm. since our last show, 
more, we, more and more research is coming in that we have – while it's not a diagnosis yet, it's still starting mm-hmm. to look like we have something that's distinctly different, correct? Absolutely, yes. I would say this is probably the, the number one take-home message for the listeners is that this is, a, this is distinct. And what we mean by that is, you know, we've tested across a number of different samples in the United States, outside the United States, children, adolescents, young adults, to really ask the question, is this different than things like ADHD, depression, anxiety? And consistently it shows that it is, um, that these, these symptoms, these behaviors are separate. So one of my questions is, and this might be a difficult one to answer, is if, if the term is not readily present to go and find mm-hmm. a collection of these people who have a different diagnosis that fits this bill in order to do that research, to me that sounds like a bit of a challenge. Is that, is that- um, I, I would say it's a large challenge. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what, what we're trying to do, and, I, and I'm glad that you, you know, wanted us to, to talk about this on the podcast, is we're trying really hard right now, given that, you know, since it's not in the DSM, which is what would be used for community providers, mental health providers, it is largely unknown. And we've heard from so many families that we've worked with when we do our research studies, we had a number of them tell us that, you know, teachers weren't as aware of this condition. They weren't aware of it. Um, their, their therapist wasn't aware of it. So we're trying really hard now to bridge that gap between the research and the clinical efforts. And unfortunately, on that bridge, there's this big rock, which is this is not diagnosable right now. Mm-hmm. And yep. we're trying hard to get around this by, you know, doing different ways of, you know, talking on different outlets that we're, we're sharing these resources with our colleagues. We're, we're opening up, as we'll talk about here, I'm sure in a little bit, opening up a new clinical service to families, and we're trying to advertise that as well. So mm-hmm. we, we have an area where families can go to if they need support. And so if you have ADHD and if it just mm-hmm. doesn't seem to fit right, great resource I, I trust is your website to go to start going there because – and maybe I should transition to this like – How do you know the subtle differences to sit there and say, hey, this might be this condition as opposed to ADHD? And I I think that is where it's it's definitely very challenging because, like we talked about on the surface, right, this can look look very similar. I would say, you know, some of the the different symptoms and behaviors that, you know, we know kind of make up this condition are the things such as that that internal distraction. You know, if an Mm -hmm. individual is feeling like their mind is just wandering, they're, they're staring yeah. off, they're daydreaming, they're lost in their thoughts. If it feels like it's hard to get going, we've had a lot okay. of the kids and families we worked with where the morning routine is really difficult, not necessarily because a, a child is off task, but because the pace at which the child does things is a little slower. And we know that okay. fits up with the CDS as well. Um, there are, you know, we also know that there's questionnaires that have been validated. Um, you can find these on, you know, Stephen Becker and Russell Barkley. They both have developed questionnaires that can be used for, for parents, for teachers, self-report that include all of those symptoms as well. Um, okay. And for all of these reasons, this is why we started this new clinical service. Um, yeah, I'll kind of go on a tangent here, Jeff, but we did yep. a – all, this, all the research to date has been quantitative. It's been questionnaire, you know, paper, pencil, questionnaires. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do an interview with these families to really better understand their lived experiences, you know, to really understand, do they feel like this fits with their kid? What have they tried? We had about 15 to 20 parents and 
chi uh, child that had were elevated in, in SCT at the time, and we asked them a bunch of these questions. One of the most striking things we've learned was that a number of families said they, they were unsure where to go. They, they didn't know what to do. They tried the stimulant medications. They've done the groups. It wasn't working. They were kind of at a loss. And that led us to, here at our Center for ADHD at Sensei Children's, we developed a new clinical service. Um, this is called the CDS program. Um, it's on the website at Sensei Children's. And this is really focused on providing evaluations, which includes those questionnaires, digging in deeper about these symptoms, trying to better mm -hmm. understand is this fit or not. And then we also offer some treatment options as well, um, where we're taking a multimodal approach. You know, we will talk about things like, yep. um, you know, sleep. We'll talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. We'll talk about mindfulness. I think mindfulness is a promising intervention, given all the things we've talked about with the, the internal distractions. Um, okay. The nice thing about this service is this is offered in person, but also via telehealth. So for any okay. of the listeners where they have a, they have a child or, or teenager that they live in a state that's approved through SIPAC, so that allows us to provide services across mm -hmm. state lines, we would be able to do that and provide those services. Got it. Tell you what, let's go to break. We'll come back. I want to talk about this. I also want to kind of talk about the kind of the state we are with regard to treatment because mm -hmm. it's enlightening. We can certainly need some help. Everybody, find <laughs> yeah, more absolutely. about everything that Dr. Frederick was talking about. It's CincinnatiChildrens.org. Again, CincinnatiChildrens.org. Our secret word tonight is disengagement. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with Dr. Frederick to update everybody on a show we did years ago uh, called Sluggish Cognitive Tempo, which is now Cognitive Disengagement Syndrome. Um, we've been talking about it and the discovery of it and the stage of it. And, you know, I did a show a couple of years ago with Dr. Chayette talking about, you know, we diagnose mental health by going out and looking at history and taking a look at symptoms. And then we take a look at all the symptoms. We kind of classify them together to, to kind of get a diagnosis. So you're kind of looking for the patterns to reveal themselves because we don't have a diagnostic test. And it seems to me, Dr. Frederick, we're in that stage right now where we're doing a lot of experimenting around with different types of interventions or different types of treatments in order to see 
what types of things work and what types of things don't so that we can get a better idea of how to, you know, be more specific in helping these people because we're kind of, you know, the blind flying into the blind at this point. Is that an accurate assessment or is there a better way to reframe this? Yeah, I think right. I think right now we're at the stage where you know the the first stage of all this research was that this is a legitimate condition. We we understand it's related with with you know depression, anxiety, peer difficulties. So so it's meaningful. It's important. Now I think mm-hmm. the second stage is okay. Now what what do we do about it? And as a clinician myself, that's where I'm most motivated by is mm-hmm. that you know what what are the treatment options? Where we are now is the stage of do the interventions for ADHD, do those also work for individuals that have CDS? And I think to start off, when we think about more psychosocial interventions, so like non-medication, there's a few studies that have shown that, you know, the interventions for for those with ADHD and attention. So, you know, if we work with parents on giving effective commands, using visuals, you know, positive reinforcement systems, um, working with teachers on using things like a daily report card or giving academic supports. There's a few studies to suggest that those interventions may also be helpful for decreasing um, those, those CDS symptoms. In addition, there has been kind of a push now where we've looked at these other type of, of interventions. Mm-hmm. Given that, you know, the, the literature is pretty small, on the treatments, and you and I have just spent a good amount of time saying that this is related to ADHD, but it's also different. So we're mm-hmm. trying to now come up with some of those unique treatments. Um, so right now it's been very exploratory. And for those that are, you know, if they do go to our website, again, it's the CDS program at Cincinnati Children's. So if they type that in, we have a, a full web page that kind of talks through these different treatment options. But it's really a, right now a multimodal approach. And what I mean okay. by that is, Given what we know about CDS and how it's associated with things like sleep difficulties, depression, difficulties paying attention, we're looking at different interventions that might be helpful for those. And we're talking about the option you had a second ago. You also said mindfulness seems to help as well. Mm. We, th- we think it might. So there's nothing okay. right now to suggest. Okay. I, I think we're, the reason we think that is because, you know, given the, the nature of CDS, we also have some studies that show that CDS is more strongly associated with mind wandering compared okay. to ADHD. And if you think about, you know, the problems of individuals with CDS is that cognitive disengagement. So the question mm-hmm. is how can we help individuals become better engaged? And one way of doing that might be mindfulness. Um, right now we're, we currently are doing, you know, an intervention for mindfulness for adolescents that have ADHD plus CDS to better understand might this be helpful, um, mm-hmm. but I think there's some I think there's some ideas there that, that suggest that it would be if we think about helping individuals really practice paying attention to the present moment, being aware mm-hmm. if their mind is wandering or if they're daydreaming, and, and trying to learn some tools to kind of bring their attention back to the task. So I think there's some promise there yep. with the mindfulness-based okay. interventions. So. The other thing that, in my understanding, again, I'm not as, as well-read as you are, is that the stimulants don't seem to work with this particular condition. Is that? Yeah, I would say it's partly accurate. The, the, where we are right now, so there was just a, a systematic review that was, that was published on um, CDS and medication, and there was a whopping seven studies that, that have tested this, which is far, far behind the literature on ADHD. Um, and the, the, the findings so far for this, the stimulants is there have, been, there have been a few, maybe one or two studies that, that have 
shown that, okay, stimulants may help decrease, but then we also have these studies that say, hey, for kids who have ADHD plus CDS, stimulants aren't going to work. So it's been pretty inconsistent. Um, the, I think the area that we're hoping to gain a little bit more kind of traction on and get some more studies on are the non-stimulant options. So there are a few studies that show atomoxetine or stratera may be useful uh, for okay. decreasing um, CDS. And if you think about this, it, it kind of makes sense in the sense that, um, you know, CDS is more strongly linked with depression, AD, uh, anxiety, social mm-hmm. withdrawal, sleepiness. So maybe those non-stimulant options or like an SSRI, maybe those might be helpful. But I will just preface that to say where we are right now, we cannot make firm kind of recommendations for medication. I think these are just some some yep. ideas given where we are, but we clearly need a lot more research. And, and that's, a I think, an exciting area that we can really start to help families more. So to, to me, the purpose of the show is to update everyone. We have this syndrome now that looks like it could actually become a diagnosable condition, which would be distinct. We're in the stages of trying to figure this stuff out. If the ADHD diagnosis doesn't seem to fit, uh, there's resources to go and questionnaires to say, hmm, maybe there's something here. So at least you're not going in the wrong direction. Um, mm-hmm. We're still trying to figure out the right direction right now through observation analysis and studies and stuff like that. And, you know, this is somewhat complicated because I trust it like ADHD. There's a lot of other comorbid conditions that go along with it that further complicates the ability to kind of isolate mm-hmm. this and figure out what's going on. But the bottom line is this is, in fact, an update and also a kind of a call of people out there to go get educated on this and to go to places that are doing these studies so that we can do the research to try to figure out what's going on to help these people at large. Is that, is that accurate statement? I, I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't summarize, I couldn't summarize it any better. I think there's right now a, a huge push, I think for both, you know, other researchers, clinicians, mental health providers, you know, that if it is looking into the literature on the, the CDS or the researcher, you know, going to our website, um, and then also for families, I think if they, you know, have, they have questions or they think their child may also, you know, have this, this condition, you know, they, they're um, more than happy to look into our website. They can kind of do this research for this, you know, now we have a term, you know, we have a name yep. that I hope provides some explanation for families. Um, but right now, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we can make a lot more progress on how widespread this yep. is. Yeah, I, I interviewed Dr. David Teplin years ago, and he's become a friend. And like, he has this this quote that I really love: "It's hard to treat something if you don't really know what you're treating." And mm-hmm. again, the idea mm-hmm. of this show is is if, if you're trying to treat something and we don't know what it is, and it might be this condition or syndrome, rather, then it's helpful. It doesn't solve the problem, but it keeps you right. from going in the wrong direction or going down a rat hole. So you, it, it like I <laughs> said, sometimes it doesn't provide the answer, but it keeps you from going the wrong yep. direction at least. So. Um, as we close this out, any final thoughts or insights call it a day? I think the final thing I'll say is I gave a presentation on this, and I, and I think hopefully this will be really tangible to, to listeners where I think what you said right there about that quote is better understanding and an awareness of what this is. So if you think about, you know, let's say in a classroom setting, you have three children. You have a child that has the, the hyperactivity, the impulsivity. From a teacher's perspective, that's, that's very apparent. It's, it's clear, observable behaviors. You have a child who has the inattention. You know, maybe they're having problems with organiz- disorganization, problems with attention to details. A child with CDS, what we've learned, they may look like they're listening. They're not being disruptive. They're not getting out of their seat. They're, they're generally pretty compliant. They, their eyes might be on the teacher. But inside, internally, 
they may not be paying attention. Their mind might be wandering. They, they might be thinking about something else. They might be a little slower mm-hmm. in getting things done. So I think that right there really speaks to the volume of more just, I think, conversation around this, awareness of this, so we can pursue this more because it can be easily missed, I, I think, and we've heard a lot from families about that. There you have it, everybody. Dr. Frederick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Really, really enjoyed talking with you, Jeff. Everybody, it's CincinnatiChildrens.org. Check out the website. Get more information. Our secret word is disengagement. And with that, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.